the readings today take us on a journey of faith. First of all, we go back to 1400 years before, before the birth of Christ. So if we wish to say it's 3,400 years ago, long time. But there's a moment here, which is very, very important moment, is the calling of Mo Moses on a special mission. There he is. As you know, Moses was rescued. He was one of the Hebrew children because of Pharaoh who wanted to eliminate and to control the birth rate of, 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 of the Hebrew people in Egypt. He made sure that all the male children would, would be killed. There'll be no more male children, so therefore they'll cut down on population, eliminate the threat which they consider having Hebrews in Egyptian society. So he was rescued, as you know, put in this, in this little basket and floated. And he was found by the daughter of Pharaoh himself. So she took care of him. You know, uh, the, as you know that the, his sister, the older sister found out who took him. And so she volunteers this, she told the Pharaoh the daughter of Pharaoh says, you know, we have a Hebrew mother who can take care of him. You don't have to worry about that. But it was actually his real mother. But he was, he grew up as an Egyptian on the court of Egypt. But then he, he understood and he realized that he was one of those, the people of the Hebrews. And so once an Egyptian was, was, was um, uh, uh, beating up a Hebrew for not fulfilling his obligation as a slave, mistreated him badly and so Moses reacted to it and and reacted so strongly that he in the process killed the Egyptian and of course then everybody found out he had to run away and so he goes to a place of not far from Egypt not that far but around Sinai and there he finds um, protection he marries a daughter of one of these Midianite priests and so there he is and this is where we see today him tending, caring for sheep. But in the middle of the desert, in the middle of some possibly maybe even oasis, what does he see? He sees a burning bush. And this bush keeps on burning and he kind of looks at it with curiosity and he goes up there to see this burning bush. Why? You know, we don't see things like that in nature. So he sees, and then he hears a voice of God. And he says, uh, Come no, no nearer, remove the sandals from your feet, for the place where you stand is holy ground. I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, God of Jacob. So here's his voice and his reaction is Moses hit his face for he was afraid to look at God. But then the Lord said to him, this is very, very important for his mission and for us today. I have witnessed the affliction of my people in Egypt and I have heard their cry of complaint against their slave drivers. So I know well what they're suffering. I have heard the cry of the people. I have seen their sufferings. I have seen what they're undergoing. Therefore, I have come down to rescue them from the hands of the Egyptians and lead them out of that land into the good and spacious land, a land of 
flowing with milk and honey. God manifests himself to Moses, but he manifests himself as a result of the cry, of the prayer, as a result of those who are suffering. He hears their cry, he hears them, and he comes to rescue them. Today, today, how many people are crying out for the people in Ukraine who are suffering? And people are crying out to God that this, this violence may end, this targeting of the civilians in order to, sub, to force them into submission. This type of evil continues, whether it's 3,400 years before or now. We human beings have not progressed too much. When we reject God, when we reject his, his ways, we, we create a God of our own. And, and then we follow this God of whatever it may be, but it's not true God. And so we create misery, pain, sufferings. This is why the Lord says to Moses, I have heard the people's cry and I want to come and rescue them. And he does. And we know what this rescue was. God who takes the people Moses becomes the leader, takes him out from Egypt, but where does he take him? Right into the desert. Seems like, it seems like, okay, this is great, but the people start complaining, and this is why St. Paul says, the Lord led them out from the land of Egypt. He led them out, and they're grumbling and complaining. We don't have this, we don't have gonions, we don't have leeks, we don't have fresh, fresh veggies. We just have manna. We're sick and tired of eating manna. What about food? What about some, where's the beef here? You know, where is it? Complain. And St. Paul says that those who, who complain did not make it to the promised land, even though they received the freedom, but they did not wish to cooperate with the grace of God. They wished to, they continued to follow you know, the disordinate reactions within themselves, wishing this, wishing that, complaining about this, complaining about that. And then that means there's really no deep trust in God. Even though God did something unusual, in a desert where there's no food, God would supply him with food, daily food, and including meat too. He gave him the, uh, the you know, the, 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 the birds that flew and, and they were able to, 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 to uh, sustain themselves. But there's a great lesson here. God reveals himself as the one who cares, the one who loves, the one who hears. And, and Moses, when he asked God, well, what is your name? I, I can say, yes, you're God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob, yes, but what is your name? So that they'll believe that I have seen you, that I have seen, experienced you. And it's a powerful way to the way God answers. I am who am. I am the one who is. And I am the one who exists. One who is a being. This is how powerful the, the words of God are. The one who is and always has been. There's no name except existence. An existence which is benevolent. Existence which is personal, who hears, who understands, who knows. He knows us. That's the revelation. You know, the I am who am. The Yahweh, the, that it was known as the four letters of Hebrew alphabet, the tetragrammaton, is the, the four letters the, which describes 
That's his very being. The Jewish people would not have even pronounced his name. They would say, Adonai, the Lord. He, they would be afraid to even say his name because that means that we have power over him, that we can control him, whereby we're not able to do so because he is the God of, of existence, God of sustenance. He sustains all things into, in existence and who is also love and mercy itself. But, the, but what St. Paul says to us, but be careful. You see these things and you don't really follow. You see all these wonderful things. God has guided you. He was there for you throughout the journey in Egypt. He was this cloud, the cloud by night, fire by day. He showed his presence. And yet you, you have a hard time accepting, believing. And so St. Paul says, says to us, he's inviting us. These things happen to them as an example that they may have that they have been written down as a warning to us upon whom the end of the ages has come. Therefore, whoever thinks he's standing secure should take care not to fall. Sin, sin as being a, a profound reality. Today, the awareness of sin is so diminished. You know, through various things, you know, through the 1960s, 50s, 60s, 70s, no guilt because guilt is bad. Psychological guilt is something bad. You should, you know, just get rid of guilt. Well, we get rid of guilt, then then we we also get rid of the the principles of of ethics, ethical and moral life, because we should feel guilty when we do something wrong. We should feel guilty that we when we hurt somebody. We don't want to have people who are you know psychopaths who don't feel any pain, who don't feel any guilt, who don't feel anything for others. And the Lord is, is reminding us a sense of guilt is actually a sense of knowing of what sin is. But in today's reality, we don't really know what sin is. So many, you know, where do you find the word sin? Perhaps maybe when you say you eat too well, but that's about it, which means the awareness of sin, but the reality of sin is manifested in the consequences of sin. People are not happy. You may not have guilt, but, you, but, but, but that cycle of sin destroys. Cycle of sin produces addictions, trappings. So we need God because we can't rescue ourselves. We have to cry out to him. We have to cry out and cry out, not just once, but perhaps many times, cry out together as people, family. Lord, help us to help us because our family is fighting and can't, we can't find peace, we can't find common language, we're divided politically, we're divided by ideologies. We can only unite, be united by love. Yes, we may have strange ideologies, we may have all kinds of things, but, but we are people, we have to love one another, and this is what God is saying us, to love God, to love him, but above all, to love one another. And that's the invitation. And sin is that that death which destroys us. How do we know what sin is? God revealed us, revealed what sin is. The Ten Commandments. God revealed what sinful is. Yes, taking upon an idol. We worship idol. We serve idol, whatever idol we may wish. And so then we trap ourselves. We don't care about today, holy day. We work. We do things, all kinds of things. We are not only 
you know, hurt and wound and people, you know, hurt and wound people, perhaps even killing them like innocent people would die. This is what the Lord is saying to us. You can't do this or even hate somebody. As Jesus says, you know, thou shall not kill, but even if you hate somebody and try to destroy them, destroy their good name, lie about them, whatever hurts them. Again, this is the invitation during the time of Lent to reflect more deeply that first of all, God is, God hears us, hear our cry. But we are to cooperate with the grace of God. We are cooperate with, with what he gives us, the freedom that he gives us so we don't fall into slavery again. The conversion of heart is the call. And today the Lord says that he has mercy upon us. You know, that fig tree for three years, no fruit, no fruit. Uh, but then the, the gardener says, you know, Lord, you, you have to take, take care. I'll take care again. I'll, produce, I'll, I'll cultivate land. I'll fertilize it and see for one more year, uh, you know, sign of God's mercy, the merciful, uh, merciful element of the Lord. So the owner says, yes, do this. For three years, there's no fruit, but maybe now leave it for this year alone. I shall cultivate and so it may bear, bear fruit. And then finally, when we hear today, you know, the, the stories of Jesus, St. Luke describes a couple of things. We see Pilate, by the way, we know Pilate from Pontius Pilate because of, of, of the crucifixion of Jesus, but he was not exactly a good man. You know, he uh, massacred pilgrims when they were coming to, 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 to Jerusalem for, 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 for the holy days. All of a sudden, he said, you know, somebody was doing something not proper, and then he would just punish everybody. He wanted to absorb power. And by the way, ultimately, he was de deposed. Rome called him back because he was just doing too many crazy things, too many violent things. And so so, so St. Luke uh, reminds us of, of uh, Jesus' own example. He says, you know, these people who died, were they the greatest sinners? No, because people sometimes said, well, uh, look, they were there because they shouldn't have been there. Or perhaps they, you know what, one of those people was, was defrauding others. He should have been, you know, he should have known. We can explain quickly, you know, why things some bad happens to some people. We can explain. But the fact is we are all in it together. And Jesus says to us, were they greater sinners? No. All of us in the same boat. But some experience painful con consequences, even though they did not really they did not really um, were contributors to those things, or even the accident of the Siloam Tower falling and killing people. But the Lord is reminding us, he says, the consequences of sin is death. The consequences of sin is destruction. Consequences of sin is lack of peace, turmoil, lack of lack of this type of awareness of God because sin blinds us. It does not show us the truth. So the invitation today on this third Sunday of Lent is an invitation to know, first of all, that we have God who hears us, God who loves us, God who comes to rescue us. But we in our part that once we are rescued that we don't fall back into trappings of sin because we can. And the consequences of sin is, is not something that we desire and wish. We then today through this Eucharist, because this is the Lord speaks to our hearts, he tells us what we need to do. That we may have that courage and strength 
to pull, pull ourselves away from the trappings of sin and ask the Lord to be with us, that we need to reconsecrate ourselves, to give ourselves back to the Lord. Lord, I am yours. I need you. I want to live this life of freedom from sin. I need to live a life of glory. And by the way, you may have heard on the 25th of March, on the 25th of March, on the 38th anniversary of the consecration of Russia to, by John Paul II, 1984. On this 25th of March, just as 38 years ago on the 25th of March, John Paul consecrated. So now Pope Francis wants to consecrate again Russia and Ukraine. And so we're invited to also consecrate ourselves and consecrate Ukraine and Russia in our homes, create a, a church of our own, or perhaps we can gather in a church if it's, it's celebrated, wherever it is. I remember 38 years ago, I was in a seminary and I was in Washington, D.C. And we heard of this consecration and we as a community, Marians, the community in the seminarians and, and those who were a part of, of our seminary formation, we gathered together, we consecrate ourselves. And it was my responsibility to prepare the text, to the to prepare the ceremony and the whole thing. And I, I, I remain, I, I am very much aware of what took place then and with our awareness what we're doing and you know how we wish to consecrate Russia at that time. And you know, for all of you, I know some people are questioning whether in fact took place or not, whatever it is people do. But remember five years after the consecration, Soviet Union was disbanded on December 8th. Five years after consecration, Soviet Union stopped existing. And only Russia, yes, Russia was separated from the rest of the republics. And today, Putin wants to reestablish as a nationalist. He's not a communist. He doesn't care about communism. He's a nationalist. He wants to reestablish. But look what he does, choosing evil means, destructive means. So this will be not a blessing. No one who chooses evil means to attain good will ever, ever experience a blessing, maybe temporary, but ultimately will turn back and we will destroy them. Same thing happened, the consecration of Russia. I mean, the Soviet Union at that time, and, and, and what happens? Same thing today. I have con complete confidence in us as a church on the 25th of March, whether you do it at home, wherever you do, have your families gather and do the prayer of consecration. We will receive this prayer. Uh, Pope Francis will give us before the day is there, but you can always check the, uh, check the Vatican website or wherever you wish. Uh, but but oh, perhaps if we get it ahead of time, we'll, we'll provide it for you. And we'll pray here at the shrine. We'll do the consecration of, of Russia and Ukraine on the 38th anniversary of that consecration of John Paul. And we know the Lord will bless us. We will, will bless them. And even if it takes a couple of years, that for us it doesn't matter. God will provide the grace. God will give us the grace because consecrating to Our Lady is one of the great things that we can do, consecrating our own lives to Our Lady, even today, especially as young people. God will protect you from stupidity, foolishness, you know, trappings, addictions. God will provide because allowing ourselves to be touched by grace, God 
will be will produce this fruit. Remember, a dry bush burning without without extinguishing is grace of God. That's what it is. Which means that even if we were dry, as this is dry bush, God will give us that, that grace to live, to manifest divinity. Because God, who always is, always will be, whose existence and name is means being, he's the one who is being and filled with love, with mercy, tender care, always be there. And through the Eucharist, through his word, we are being nourished in that faith. We're given the gift of cooperation with grace. And so may we always desire that love, desire that mercy, desire that powerful gift that God has given us, wisdom, knowledge, understanding, that we may attain salvation and one day share his glory. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign-up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you. Please follow or subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes and updates. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I invite you to leave a review. Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking and will help spread this podcast to other people throughout the world. Are you enjoying this podcast? I invite you to listen to more shows brought to you by the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. Join us daily for enriching spiritual content which will help you on your journey with Jesus Christ. Simply visit divinemercyplus.org for a complete list of our shows. That's divinemercyplus.org. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign-up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you.